Welcome to the Outer Circle Inner Stillness, conversations and reflections on spirituality, sobriety, and a very present way of life, a very present connected way of life. I'm Reese Basimio. I'm a counselor here in wilds of Gresham, Oregon on a cold winter day in early February. And uh, today I wanted to talk a bit about seasons seasons of spirituality and of sobriety and so some some context for that is we are coming up on lent great lent as uh commemorated in the orthodox christian church our catholic brethren also have a really robust tradition around this season and there are some uh, evangelical and protestant communities and individuals who have also endeavored to make this a really meaningful time of the year. So uh, so what, what is Lent and what does that have to do with sobriety? Well, so Great Lent, it's a, it's a fasting season. It's a period of uh, 40 days plus Holy Week, so closer to 50 days, uh, that culminates in Great Pascha and uh, that's our correlate to Easter. Uh, we commemorate the, the resurrected Christ on that day. And so a fasting season for us entails uh, so essentially being being pretty strict vegan for a bit over a month. So uh, no meat or animal products, uh, no wine, no oil. For for some families, like for for, for mine, my family was uh, was already st- uh, pretty strict vegan for 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 many years, and so um, abstaining from these foods isn't super challenging on its own and so we look for other ways to mark the season uh, in addition to that uh, so for example abstaining from from media from shows uh, or from uh, for me pastry <laughs> uh, I'll step away from that um, chocolate or, or something like that I'm, I'm not quite ready to take the plunge into abstaining from caffeine uh, I think I might make myself into a bit of a monster um, but this year I'm considering uh, stepping away from from music, uh, uh, listening to music. Um, my Spotify is almost always running, and you know, as I've been talking around, entering into the silence and savoring the quiet, and allowing myself to encounter what could be encountered in the quiet. It's occurred to me, maybe going without tunes might be spiritually profitable, or at least it would evoke some some very interesting things. So so that that's sort of a thing. And of course, a lot of a lot of what I'm talking about is is unique to to, to my personal experience, my family's experience. It's not at all a, a, a mandate of the church to like not listen to Spotify during Lent. That's purely my own invention. In addition to the the fast, there in Great Lent, there's also um, added 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 work with with the church. So uh, the matin service in the morning gets longer because there's more. To sing more to pray, the, we we use the, the liturgy of Saint Basil instead of the liturgy of Saint John Chrysostom, which is a longer liturgy on Sundays. And there's extra services throughout the week, the pre-sanctified liturgies Wednesday and Friday night, and and uh, there's this whole collective communal tone of we're laboring, we're going without foods we would normally eat. We're going to services we wouldn't normally go to. We're making more prostrations. We're repenting a lot more. We're considering our shortcomings 
and working to repair relationships with a great deal more intentionality and 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 all of that just it's a greater spiritual labor and it's tiring uh we're just out at church all of the time and uh, once we get into holy week we're basically at church like every morning every night until late night and then Pascha is just a party <laughs> because of the the all night vigil. Uh, so so there's a lot there's a, there's a lot that's going on and typically I know I know for me and for many of the the Orthodox people I talk to when we go through Lent it's it's a welcome thing even though it's difficult even though it's challenging it's it's like a restart to the year of we're in this together. We're connected to the community. We're connected to our faith, connected to our tradition, connected to the reasons why we would do these labors. And there's an excitement. There's there's a clarity that comes with uh, with with abstinence, with, with with asceticism in particular. When one labors to go without a certain food or a certain drink or a certain typical pleasure, there's a clarity that comes from that. There's a sense of like, I am becoming a robust sort of person because I'm, I'm going through this labor, this rigor, and I'm finding myself able to do it and still thrive in it. And then the feast at the end of it is all that more meaningful. Um, I mean, personally, I'm like, eh, bacon, whatever. Um, but, but the sense of, um, I, I fasted, I labored and, or, say, I do go without, you know, bread products for, you know, 40 days to then like, you know, bite into like a sandwich or a sweet roll or, or like a really tasty muffin or something. Uh, you know, it's sweeter for having gone without. And, and that's, uh, that, that, that tends to be the tone. Um, we, we kind of mark our year by these great feasts and great Lent and great and Holy Pascha certainly is the feast of feasts. And yeah, the, the centerpiece of our year, the highlight of our timeline and all things are either leading up to it or coming out of it. And so there's this yearly cycle we go through of, um, you know, life out in the world, coming back into the feast, the feast day, the, the, the fasting and the feasting. And there, there's a centering that comes from that. So Lent happens on a yearly scale. And, and granted, there's, there's, a, there's other feasts also. Uh, nativity fast and nativity feast is there and there's you know uh several other ma- major feast days throughout the year but the same sort of phenomenon also happens i i've discovered on on a weekly basis so so for me so my family has has made a tradition of attending great vespers uh, every every saturday evening and it's an evening prayer service and um kind of kind of a short like not even not even an hour all the time, um, but there's there's some prayers, there's some hymns, and um, what I what I often experience is I've just come out of a really long week. I'm really tired. I've been running and running and running, and just caught up in my head, caught up in work, caught up in projects, caught up in family conflicts, and there's this ritual of I have to clean myself up late late on a Saturday. We rush through dinner. We drive a long way to church church and there's this feeling of like where I I rush to slow down and it's this it feels jarring honestly to to step out of my normal life into the church and and to step into this mode um but I'm I'm aided in this case by by the by the ritual of uh you know come in venerate the icons light a candle 
cross ourselves. Uh, there's a very familiar cadence to, to what the service is. And, you know, there's the incense and, and all of those cues together serve to kind of like usher me into the space. You know, part of why ritual is so powerful is it gives your system cues for how to make transitions from one mode into another. And what I often experience is this huge sense of relief once I get past that initial jarring of, okay, I'm back where I need to be. I'm back at my center. I'm back in reality. And, and, and that, that reality, you know, being, being the church and we in within orthodoxy would believe that this is the kingdom of heaven on earth. And, um, but on, on a very pragmatic level, it's, it's stepping into the calm, stepping into a very sacred, very calm, peaceful place. And there's something about coming into that peace, peaceful place that is coming home, coming back to what, it, what the true reality is. What I, what I also notice e- even more so is there's even a daily version of this that, that can happen if I'm on top of things and if I'm operating at, at an ideal capacity. And I'm not all of the time by any means, um, but daily prayers. I think this is part of what the, the daily prayers are or could be, or daily meditation or daily reflex- reflections, uh, you know, whatever your tradition is or whatever tools you use, uh, that moment in the day, whether it's first thing in the morning or last thing at night, when we, when we pause, when we breathe, when we say the prayers, say the holy words, say the things that are meaningful that we need to, when we remember the things that we need to remember, uh, when we commemorate or think well or pray for the people that are most dear to us, um, there's a centering in that moment as well. And coming back to here's what the reality is, the reality being the inner stillness, that being the real me, that being the real world, uh, so, so yeah, so there's some, something like Lent on a grand scale, you know, I spend the year just like caught up in life and I may fall into some bad habits. I may get overindulgent with things. Um, I might act out, I might slip up, I might, um, get in the fights. My, my life might feel really, really chaotic. And then, but it, it resets when it come into, here's this communal labor with, with the church, uh, you know, on a weekly basis, I'm just like in my head, I'm in my stress all the time. And then I'm kind of jarred out of that by, by this ritual, this ritual coming home and on a daily basis too. Uh, you know, my, my routine has been more, more morning prayers, more, I, I wake up and it's uncomfortable to wake up, especially right now because it's cold and it's dark and I really just want to sleep and I got to bed late. Um, but once I get up and going and I can step into the, the calm of, of the morning there, there's a coming back to reality. Um, you know, and another variation of this, I, I talked about this a little bit in this little short video I did a while ago on uh, my first trip to St. Herman's Monastery in Platina. Uh, you know, the, the pilgrimage is a whole different sort of thing. It doesn't, it, I think, I think, I think it should happen on a regular rhythm for, for those who are able to, um, make regular pilgrimages, uh, not necessarily frequent, but, but kind of regular, uh, once a year. You go to this or that monastery, um, maybe twice a year, two or three times if you're in reasonable driving distance or you can do it. Um, but there, there's something about that too, where it's the stepping out of your normal rhythm into the hyper reality. Again, the hyper reality being the, the spiritual reality, the inner reality, the, the, the things that transcend our normal days. And there's something really, really valuable about 
accessing that. And often it takes it takes pilgrimage, it takes labor, it takes ritual. It's not it's not at all a spontaneous. Oh, I just felt like it sort of thing. Um, those transcendent peak experience feelings can certainly come out of it, but um, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Uh, it takes planning and prep to car, you know, schedule time to take a road trip to go spend three days at a monastery. It takes planning to save up for it, to to pack food, to uh, to set your mind in a in a right spot, to um, to be ready to really make use of it. Once uh, to really make use of it once you get there, um, and so what I'm what I'm finding is that life is made up of these seasons, certainly the spiritual life. And I would imagine the, the sobriety life as well. There will be seasons when things just feel a little easier and a little more stable, a little more clear. And there will be seasons that feel more murky and more uncertain or more chaotic or where it's not coming so naturally or my heart's just not in it, whatever that means. Uh, I think, I think this describes a, a lot of reality spiritual life sobriety life family life married life um there there are seasons there are cycles and we would be wise to recognize that to recognize that whatever our current state is it's not a permanent one um, whatever our current uh, emotional state is whatever our current mental state is it's not permanent if it's really good, really clear, really strong, that's great. We should be cautious and wise and humble and recognize uh, something will probably come up to to dislodge that at some point. Uh, and if we're feeling in the depths of despair, in the dark night of the soul, the valley of the shadow of death, we should also remember that this is also not permanent. There will inevitably be an emergence from that, uh, a resurrection, a rebirth. Uh, again, not accidental. It takes work. It takes labor. It takes intentionality. But that sort of thing is very possible. And so uh, one piece of wisdom would be to just recognize that seasons happen, that uh, our current state is not a permanent one. Uh, another piece of wisdom would be to track that and to kind of recognize what that is. Uh, in the Orthodox Church, certainly we have <laughs> the church calendar uh, that kind of lays out, here's what the seasons are. It's written out there really linearly, which is nice. Um, in other areas of life, uh, it's not as clear. In sake taken in the sobriety world, you're thinking through uh, my, my acting out, acting in cycle. That's not as clear all of the time, but that would be a really good task to to map that out and to kind of get a sense for, well, when in the day, when in the week, when in the year, when in the season, am I more likely to feel tempted or to feel vulnerable or to feel isolated or to feel hungry, horny, angry, lonely, tired? And then having a sense of that, there now becomes the opportunity to make preparations, to seek support, to get resources, to know when do I need to lean into my disciplines a little harder? When do I need to be more strict with myself? Uh, when is it all right to relax some, to enjoy some things, to be a little bit more free and spontaneous? Um, there's another another conversation entirely around how strict, how loose should I be with my process, with my asceticism, with my sobriety? And a lot of considerations to, to consider there, but there's a way where that even that can be kind of a, a rhythm, uh, a breathing in, breathing out. I, I loosen up some, I tighten up some. Most of us are not going to sustain a really strict vegan, no media, no chocolate, no caffeine uh, lifestyle for very long. Um, a couple of us might have that calling and can do it really well. 
most of us are not going to live in in that mode that strictly all of the time. Uh, most of us can do that, can be that strict for periods of time, um, but there again, most of us have to factor in. There will also be the, the cycling of I have to also relax that at some point, and then but not relax too much, not indulge too much, and then still come back to that strictness at some point. So so that's that, that's kind of the the flavor to to recognize with with these seasons. An even further variation of this season is the idea of of crisis or emergency, uh, the things that we can't plan for, uh, like um, I got sick, or somebody in my family died, or <laughs> my car got stolen. Uh, that actually happened to me a couple months ago. Um, fun story. Um, I'm still waiting to hear the end of it. Um, but, uh, but you know, there, there's these things, the, these unexpected things that happen, and what will we do? How will we? How will we respond to those? Well, and my 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 sense from from observing my life and others' lives is that um, the the way you respond to crisis is like a diminished form of how you respond to your your normal life. So, it, and this is this is where having having your disciplines becomes really important. Say your your normal discipline is uh, you know every day you do 100 push-ups. You know plan for well when you're in crisis or when you're sick or when you're in a really heightened state of things. You know you know, plan plan on doing 10, um, and and really plan on like being like your normal routine being diminished like like 90. percent uh, just you just you're you're being taxed in a, in a whole different way, and so it becomes important to say I need to have already been exercising. I need to have already been journaling, reflecting, praying, fasting, reaching out to people. Um, crisis times are not a good time to suddenly conjure a new habit or start a new discipline or suddenly find a, an undiscovered reservoir of strength. Um, kind of, sort of. I mean, when we look at like the hero's journey and what happens in the, the dark night of the soul, there, there's some marvelous things that happen. Although even then, though, I mean, I'm now branching into literature. Uh, you know, our hero, our heroine ends up in the dark night of the soul and it seems like all is lost. And then, you know, there's this moment where they like they come out of the ashes and everything, and, you know, turn the tides of everything. Um, you know, that, that's also preceded by like a training montage or like a lot of other labor and uh, a lot of other growth. So they don't they don't enter the dark night of the soul or the valley of the shadow of death with no resources or no training or no discipline or no strength. It's more like they have been training already. And they enter this crisis period and it accentuates and highlights the strength that has already been brewing and is now just needing another push to, to come out. So, so for a lot of us, that's what our crises could be, whether it's I get unexpectedly sick or I get unexpectedly laid off or I just have an unexpectedly busy day, stressful day, I had finals week, uh, you know, I find out my partner's cheating on me or whatever. Um, those are unexpected and very difficult they can be devastating if we're not ready for them, if we haven't been preparing, if we haven't been conditioning ourselves, if we haven't been mindful of our own rhythms. Um, those seasons could also become the the, the kiln, uh, so to speak, uh, the, uh, the bearing of the seed that is now being broken and able to come out and become alive. Insert metaphor of choice. Um, there's marvelous growth that happens through devastation and suffering. Uh, and I would say more so for the people who have kind of been cultivating that already. So 
So again, the, the idea or the, the, the practical application from this would be that uh, if you're in a period of more strength, more stability, more clarity, now is the time to build resources. Now is the time to build disciplines. Now is the time to start your habits. Uh, now is the time to recognize, uh, like as of the day that I'm recording this, this is you know early in February. We just had Zikia Sunday. Uh, in a couple of weeks, um, Great Lent will actually start. Um, and uh, this year, I'm, I'm finally on top of it just a little bit. And I'm thinking it had to be like, oh, yeah, Lent is coming. I should get ready and I should, I should prepare myself. And so uh, not be watching TV every night, not be drinking a whole bunch, not be um, not be overeating as much. But in a sense, um, to kind of start doing some some warm up aesthetics, uh, some warm up aesthetic labors to, 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 to ready myself for here. Here's this longer struggle. And uh and there, there's that sort of preparation we, we can do. So so that would be my encouragement to, to you all who might be following this conversation is, you know, recognizing what are the what are the heightened scenarios coming up for you, be it a fasting season of the church or here's a busy season at work or here's, you know, finals week at school or here's like we're about to have a baby or something and everything's going to change or we're about to move and everything's going to be different recognizing, hey, those things are coming and start preparing now. Start your reflections now. Start journaling, start meditating, start tuning into your inner life now and make that to be a normal thing so that when everything else is not normal, the the normal you can retreat to is the inner normal, the inner normal of calm and peace. Uh, when it is no, the when the most normal and familiar thing for you is to retreat inward, to say the Jesus prayer, to reflect, to breathe, to to find the inner stillness, uh, that that's a good thing, and that's that sort of thing can carry you through all of the different seasons of life and all of the different crises you might run into. So, I think that would be a wise thing, um, and so that would be yeah, that would be the the practical application of all of this considering what are the seasons of life, the seasons of sobriety. And um, for, for my part, I'm aspiring to uh, reflect more on this here here on, the, here on the channel, on the inner life and developing these, these seasonal practices, seasonal practices and daily practices. Uh, I know for me, it's gonna be a super, super busy time of Lent's happening and removing offices and uh, I don't know, my, just like on, on my personal life, there, there's going to be a lot going on. So I know as I'm, as I'm saying this, it sounds nice coming out of my mouth right now. I'm going to be challenged in this very much over the next eight weeks or so. So <laughs> pray for me, and I will hopefully have some really great stories to, to, to bring you out of all of this. Uh, I appreciate you listening or watching and being part of the conversation. Uh, if this sort of conversation reflection is helpful for you, then please join the community. Go to patreon.com slash outer circle, uh, become a patron, uh, support this work with some dollars that will allow me more time to do more work. Uh, please also uh, like and rate and review the show on Apple, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube. Uh, you can follow me at Instagram at newpatterncounseling.com. Um, this show is uh, made possible partly by the support of Fur Crest Behavioral Health in Vancouver, Washington, 
and is uh, an outgrowth of New Pattern Counseling. Uh, we are a new counseling clinic here in Gresham, Oregon. We are accepting new clients. And uh, thank you very much again for being with us. And we will see you next time. Thank you.